welcome to the Tailored Life Podcast. I am your host, Cody McBroom, the CEO of Tailored Coaching Method, a world-renowned online coaching company. This podcast is built to help you create a life by design. That's what the Tailored Life is. It's choosing to blaze your own path, make your own decisions, and create a life you desire. So in this podcast, you're going to learn ways to optimize your body, optimize your mind, optimize your relationships and optimize your business and career this is the podcast for personal development junkies and people who can't stop growing because they strive for more we are also going to bring on experts in every single field to teach you their own expertise so you're not only learning from me four days a week but I'm bringing other professionals in to teach you their principles too so if you love personal development and you constantly want to strive for more in life this is the podcast for you. Make sure you hit subscribe, send this to a friend that needs it, and keep listening to improve your life all around. And without any further ado, let's get into the Tailored Life Podcast. Today on the podcast, I have Christy Campbell, who is the founder of Fit Me Community. It is a real and relatable community for women who have a lot of life going on and want a non-gimmicky, lasting weight loss program and coaching system. I've known Christy for years now, so we've been good friends, and we've been to masterminds together, we've coached together, we've done a lot of things, So, and she's actually from Washington, so one of the cool things about this episode is that she came down to the studio and we recorded it live, which is rare. Most episodes need to be recorded via Zoom um, across the country sometimes across the world. But I was able to get Christy here. She came in, we hung out for a while, we sat down, recorded uh, an episode, then we got a training session in afterwards. It was it was just all around a great time, and she's an amazing human being. She's been through a lot in her life uh, as far as parent parenting, um, being active in the service, her husband being active in the service, moving from side to side of the country, training many different modalities, injuries, weight loss, so many different things, running different businesses, failing, succeeding, failing, succeeding. She has an amazing story. I think you guys are going to get a ton of value out of this and uh, specifically in the regards of entrepreneurship and empowerment as a female individual, weight loss and body image dysmorphia as a female individual, social media, um, and then we dive into like productivity and business and just all kinds of stuff. So this podcast kind of ranges from life topics to parenting to entrepreneurship to weight loss to mental health, so many different things. I loved the conversation. It was very fluent and organic because, again, I'm very good friends with her and she was able to come here live. So I think you guys are going to feel that organic and that natural conversation uh, feel to this episode. Um, And I think you're really going to enjoy it. So make sure that you do me a huge favor. Head over to Instagram and give Christy a follow. Her Instagram name is at Christy May Campbell. Um, May is spelled M-A-E and Campbell is spelled C-A-M-P-B-E-L-L. I'm going to put that and my handle in the description of this podcast. And as always, if you love this podcast, if you enjoyed this episode, if this episode impacted you or helped you in any way, shape or form, please do me a huge favor. Post it on your Instagram story. Take a screenshot of it. Tag myself. Tag Christy. We want to thank you personally for listening to the episode, and we want to share it on our story so we can continue to spread this message and get more and more people listening and learning with us. Now, without any further ado, let's get into the episode with the one and only Christy Campbell, founder of Fit Me Community. We live by this guy who was, uh, he played for the Atlanta Falcons, Mm -hmm. and uh, he broke his neck in a game uh, and didn't know finished the whole game 
And then like later there was so much pain that he went and had surgery and like realized he had a broken neck. He ended up, I think he stopped playing. That's when he retired. But it's like, how do you break your neck and just keep playing? And keep playing that adrenaline. Yeah. He's a beast. Um, but cool. So, uh, to start this out, let's, let's kind of just, we're just gonna jump right in. Let's just sure. dive into your story first. I mean, I've known you, we met in 2016. Yeah. It's been a couple years now. At least. It was in D.C., I think, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That is exactly where we met. Yeah. And it was a small group. That was the very, very beginning. It was like the first mastermind, I think. Uh-huh. That was yeah. the very beginning of me starting like an my own business. Yeah. Um, which is cool because I, w- I was talking to a kid today. I say kid. He's probably, I mean, I'm only 28. So, but he he's in college and he's going for like an exercise physiology degree, but he has a business course and he had mm-hmm. to interview an entrepreneur. So he was like, I just need like a 15 minute call. And I was like, yeah, sure. So we got on the phone um, and he was asking like, man, like you, you started this business in 2017 and it's already this big. Like, how did you grow so quick? And I was like, well, let's backtrack 10 years ago when I started training people. Cause mm-hmm. that's when it started, you know? So there's always like a story before the story, Yeah. which is, this is going to be cool. Cause I really only know your story since, since then. Yeah. Since then, which I think was 2016 or 17, but, um, mm-hmm. It might have been 17. I'm I think to, it's 17. I think it is too. Um, so just three years ago, but tons of growth. I've seen you do such cool things. And it was always cool because we'd end up meeting back up at these mm-hmm. events and we'd, I'd see what you have done and you've seen what I have done. And it was like, that's like one of the most powerful things about a group is mm-hmm. when you come back and like I have events for my guys and it's like every time they come back, it's like, what do we do? Yeah. You know, what do we accomplish? But give us the story before the story. Like, how did this all start? Where do you come from? Give us the rundown. Uh, Well, you and I met in D.C. Yep. And that was a particularly cool weekend because I didn't even know what I was doing. I I had no idea what I was even there for, to be honest. Um, That was how early it was in my coaching business. Um, But I I really found coaching probably how most people do, which is unless you went to school knowing, okay, I want to be in training and exercise, a lot of people find coaching because they needed it. And they find it that way. Yeah. And that's how it was for me. So I um, I was in the Navy. And um, that's where I met my husband. And when I was in the Navy, I ended up having some knee issues. And um, I ended up getting a couple surgeries. So the Navy, not say, this is not a commentary <laughs> on military medicine, but I want to say that they botched my left knee ACL mm. reconstruction. And then they repeated it three more times. <sighs> so... In the time that I was in the Navy, I ended up with a total of about 10 knee surgeries. I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. Holy shit. I was just complaining about my knee. Yeah. <laughs> about three. <laughs> so I've had four ACL reconstructions on my left knee and then and a micro fracture and a couple extras on there Fuck. too. And it all was basically, you know, a series of this surgery didn't work. Let's do this again. Let's do it again. So the reason I say that is because I was a fit kid growing up, but mostly just because of sports. Mm-hmm. I loved soccer but I ate like garbage. Like I ate, you know, never ending cereal, hamburger helper, like processed food kid to the max. Um, And I mean, I grew up in a single mom situation. She did the best she could, but she wasn't making home cooked meals for us. So we were just eating whatever. I used to go to school and I remember I'd get three Otis Spunkmeyer cookies and a bag of popcorn. (laughs) That was my lunch. What year were you born? Uh, 83. Okay. 
So. Yeah, I feel like late 80s, early 90s was like the boom of processed food. Yes. When a lot of that stuff started getting created. My favorite thing were like those nutter butters that you could like break into pieces, you know, mm-hmm. like the wafers that are stacked like six oh, yeah. deep, you know? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, that's how I ate. And when I went into the Navy, I still ate that way. Um, it's just that when I, when we learned about, okay, well, we have to make weight or we have to make sure you don't gain weight, right? Because mm-hmm. um, you're in uniform, especially for girls, you know, if you gain weight, because you just, when you go in at 18 and then you turn into a, like a 22 year old, bodies change. Yeah. But especially like if you take like girls gain weight in college, it was similar. Yeah. So anyways, the reason I say that is because in the Navy, my intro into eating healthy wasn't eating healthy. It was like slim fast. Restrictive. <laughs> yes. It was yeah. okay. So you got to fit into your uniform. So you better start drinking slim fast or you could go to the dietitian. They'd give you like a, a special meal chit for chicken and eggs. Slim fast. <laughs> I completely, they used to sell that by like the crate at Costco. And I remember like every friend's mom had slim fast in the fridge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And none of them were in shape. <laughs> so like it didn't no, work. It doesn't work. And I can, as we talk about it, I can literally taste like the metallic. That like chalky. Ugh, that I've taste. Um, and, and honestly, growing up watching my mom, she always struggled with her weight. And the, what I knew of, again, weight loss to me was Weight Watchers right. or microwave, you know, slim fast meals or whatever it was, yeah. you know, smart ones or all those points. And that's what I thought healthy eating was and then eating was just the junk food that I ate um so you take that mentality around food and I loved sport and exercise but then when I got into the navy and having all those surgeries I got married I have my first two kids and I'm 40 pounds overweight and not like the kind of overweight where it's six weeks after you have a baby it was two years after I'd had my second And the weight that was supposed to be baby weight was just like my new body. Mm. That was where I was. And I think I was probably 27 or 28. And I just remember being in that place where I was like, okay, well, this is me now. I'm going to wear clothes I don't like. I'm going to cover up my body. I don't feel good with my husband because I don't like how I feel. But it wasn't even that so much as I felt like I was successful as a professional. I was successful like as a mom. I felt like I was a good mom. But I just couldn't figure out, like, what was wrong with me? Like, why couldn't I crack this code? Like, other people looked healthy and in shape. Like, what diet did they do mm-hmm. that I didn't learn or something? Or what was wrong with my discipline or willpower that I couldn't stick to yet another, like, diet thing? And so everything I tried just was, like, reinforcing those beliefs. So I would try. I joined Weight Watchers a couple times. None of it ever worked. I bought an elliptical machine and put it in my bedroom. <laughs> that didn't work. Um <laughs> I, I remember ordering like Brazilian butt lift off of a infomercial, <laughs> <laughs> like when they still sold stuff off infomercials like that. So I, I bought that. I remember getting a Wii Fit thinking like, okay, this is going to help me. You know, I'm going to do this Wii Fit. I remember joining like an MLM company that had a shake challenge because I was like, I'm going to be one of these success stories. Like oh, this is going to be me. Yeah. And it was all from the right intention, but I was missing the the piece, right? It wasn't that I was like looking for the right diet and I just hadn't found it yet. I just, I, I was missing the actual thing. Yeah. <laughs> I, two, two pieces. One, I didn't know how to actually eat healthy. So no, I had never seen that before or to change my lifestyle. I was still looking for the, the fix. Yeah. Um, but two, I also, I, I hadn't come to that place where it was like any sort of ownership over it. 
I still felt like there was something wrong with me and I needed somebody to fix it. Mm. And I was like looking for that fix, like very genuinely, but I didn't, I didn't have that place where it's like, oh, this is on me. Like I'm going to have to be on this journey. Yeah. Um, so I was super stuck and like, again, remember I had 10 knee surgeries. So I was like, I can't even exercise this weight away if I wanted to. I thought all of the things that I enjoyed, like soccer and stuff, were no longer possible yeah. for me. Um, go ahead. <clears throat> Can we say something? No, I think it's, I think it's, I think like a lot of times people almost look at like dieting like it's an on off switch. Mm-hmm. And I think it kind of sounds like that's essentially the trend you got into. I did the same thing. And, and, but it was what you said resonated with me because I remember people asked me like why I started my journey. And it was because I remember looking in the mirror and finally, owning what I had created, which was something I really didn't like the look of, you know, I was overweight. Um, I wasn't healthy. I never played sports, never trained, um, smoking too much weed. It was just like partying. It was just a bad place to be at as a young adult. And I remember looking at myself and just literally talking to myself in the mirror and being like, dude, what, what are you doing? Like, I hate what I see. And I accepted it. And I was like, I can change this if I want to. And, mm-hmm. and I'm ready to change it, you know. It's so funny because nobody really talks about that being a key part of physical change. But I feel like the change that has to happen where you own it mm. and say, like, I don't, I'm not a bad person. I don't have to hate myself. But I'm how I got here. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, how I choose to live every day is how I created this body. And so changing that is how I get out of that. And I don't. In that moment where I was stuck, I didn't have that realization. It came a little bit later. Um, but that's where I was. I was in this place where I didn't like my body. I thought this was just going to be mom life. Turns out when you're a mom, you just don't get to like feel good anymore. <laughs> I didn't think that fitness or fun was accessible anymore either. I thought that exercise was going to be something I did only to lose weight. Um, because the fun part of exercise was gone. Like mm. That was like back when I could play soccer and do those things. And obviously in my head, quote, I can't do that anymore. Um, and so it was, it was sort of a, a disconnected feeling from my body because I didn't feel like me and I didn't know how to get it back. Um, so my husband left on deployment right about then. And strangely enough for me, this has been a theme, things that should be really hard and a good reason to not do something tend to be a really necessary catalyst for me. Mm. So he leaves on deployment. I move home to my childhood home in Salisbury, Maryland, which is like on the Eastern shore of Maryland. Um, I move into my mom's house with my two babies. So they're like not even two and not even four and two labs. Big. So this was like not easy circumstances. And my husband's gone for a year. And I think to myself, okay, I'm going to get, I'm going to get in shape. Like I am going to lose this 40 pounds and get back. So I join a gym and I start doing step aerobics classes. Cause again, I, I was like, not that step aerobics is bad. If somebody's listening to this and they love it, hey. step aerobics is fun, but it wasn't the reason I was doing it. I was doing it because I was like, this is what I got to do. Yeah. Um, I was terrible at it and I hated it and you should not do exercise. You hate. Yeah. I always talk about like program design and I always say, like, the number one factor you should consider is enjoyment. Mm-hmm. Everybody talks about volume and intensity and, and exercise selection, all this stuff. It's like, if, are you having fun in what right. you're doing? If you're not, then you're doing the wrong fucking program. It exactly. And so that's why I say that I didn't like it. Not because it's bad, but just it just wasn't for me. I was just doing it. But what really happened for me is I met a personal trainer. 
he was just a coach, a regular guy, not like some fancy, high-tech, like super, you know, exclusive dude. Nope, just a regular guy from my hometown, a coach, a true coach. And he invited me to his outdoor boot camp class. And I was like, absolutely not. It is cold outside. It's raining. I have these little kids. Like, why well, don't want to go outside to, like, be in the dirt, you know, yeah. and do this class when I could just do step aerobics. And he kind of pushed me. He was like, no, come, come. You're going to want to come to this class. Come. And I ended up going, and it was awful at first. <laughs> Like, really bad. I couldn't do any of it. I literally could do not one push-up. I couldn't do anything. And my knee, again, like, especially at this point in my life, it was a big thing that I held me back. Mm -hmm. Like, I was like, I can't do X, Y, and Z because of my knee, because of my knee, because of my knee. And, but something about this space that he created, he didn't treat me like a broken person who had a bad knee with 10 surgeries. He just... I remember that first, it was one of the first classes I went to, and I think we were holding a rope over our head. <laughs> it was awful. And he said something to me like, hey, Campbell, I see an athlete in there. And like nobody had said that to me in so long. And it was just that little bit of coach that I needed. And he, again, it wasn't anything special. His class, we, we had like the most busted equipment. It was outside stuff. Yeah. Who knows? I probably did the worst deadlifts you can imagine, you know. Um, but going to his class, he taught me how to lift weights. He, like, encouraged me to eat real food. Told me, like, I shouldn't eat out all the time. I should only eat out, like, once a week. Um, I should drink water and eat protein and, like, basics. What we think is obvious now. Yeah, yeah. basics. And then I just went to his classes, and I worked with him, and I worked my butt off. And then the weight came off. And, it, again he changed my life because he gave that back to me. And it was not, again, it wasn't because of some fancy program. It wasn't because of anything other than he was just the, a coach mm -hmm. that I needed. Um, and so that, like, I quit everything that I had gone to college for and, you know, spent time learning. And I decided to get my certification as a personal trainer. So I did, like, the online, uh, yep. you know. ISSA. Yep, that's what I did. Yep, I got my ISSA personal trainer certification. I started training a couple people for free. And, you know, it'd be like, at this point, you could be like, well, the rest is history. And then she builds. Right. That's not how it went down. We, I had to move. So Josh comes home from deployment. I'm a newly certified personal trainer, never trained anybody for real. And we move out to Washington State. So that's where I live now. Obviously, mm -hmm. I'm here in person. Um, and my husband gets home from deployment and I'm like, guess what? I'm going to be a coach now. <laughs> like, I know I used to do all this other stuff, but not anymore. I'm going to be a coach and I'm going to start my own outdoor boot camp class in Washington in January. <laughs> um, and I had like three pieces of equipment, like <laughs> two dumbbells, a set of battle ropes and like a busted tire. I got off of Facebook marketplace. But man, like. The first, the first classes I did were at a turf field in Milton, which is in Washington. Mm -hmm. And I made a, uh, I actually took like an old punching bag that you would hold because my family all did karate. So you have like this punch bag. I actually cut it open and I went to Lowe's, got sand, put a bunch of sand in this, duct taped it. And then I tied a rope to it um, and like handles. Mm -hmm. So now it was like a sled you yep. could drag. And then I brought Tupperware lids for like valve slides. So you could do like core work and stuff. And that's all I had. 
Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'd like tweet like boot camp at Surprise Lake Middle School, $5 drop in. And yes. like I'd have a handful of people and I would just coach the shit out of them. That's but what it was. That's what started it. It was a drop in. And what was funny is I didn't know anybody because we just moved out here. Right. Um, and so I started trying to promote my class on Facebook. Where were you, Bremerton? Or um, no, we're near Everett. Okay. Uh-huh. Oh, there's a there's a base in Everett too, right? Yep. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. that makes sense. And for the first four to six weeks, nobody came. Like I would go show up at the park. It's freezing cold. It's raining. I have all my gear. I would have invited all these people, like hoping people would come, and nobody would come. And they didn't know me. I didn't. I mean, it was yeah. just from zero. And slowly, slowly, people started to come. Um, and it just kind of grew into this like amazing community and it was very grassroots it was very much like I just exactly what you said pay a drop in and I'll just give you a, the best hour ever and I'll see you next time if it's good come back if not then like nice to meet you yeah um and that's how I started coaching but I say that it, nobody came at first because they really didn't um and I was so on fire from what this coach had given me that there was no way I wasn't going to keep trying right to me there was no alternative it wasn't like oh well let me wait till summer when it's a better season or like let me go get six more certifications and then see if people will come just excuses right or um let me make some better friends who can invite the right people to come luckily I just out of straight ignorance just kept showing up (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know what I was doing at the time I was just show up so on a business level like I think I think it's funny right now that you know there's so many people that do business coaching and and all stuff and I help with some of the stuff so I'm not saying it's like a bad thing but a lot of times they almost put too much focus on business systems and plan business plans and financial plans and targets and analytics at the very beginning when this person doesn't even have their feet wet. And to me, I'm like, man, if you look back at every, even the people that made it and now are teaching people how to do business stuff, if you look at the beginning of their journey, it usually started with ignorant passion. Mm -hmm. They were just like, I just fucking love this and I'm going to do it. I don't know how it's going to make money. I'm not having people sign contracts or guarantee they're going to come back. I'm undercharging, but I'm just going to do it. I'll figure the rest out later and I don't care what anybody says. And that grows into something where you go get to a point where you're like, okay, I need a business system because now I have too much shit going on. Yeah. How do I manage this? And that's when it becomes a business. It's it not moving. sustainable long-term to operate yeah. like that. But most of the time, at least when you're starting something, just do it. the not quit yeah. is the defining factor yeah. on whether or not you're going to be successful. And then not letting some of the things get in the way that can occupy your time. Like, did it matter that I didn't have a credit card processing system? No, because people found a way to pay me $10 and I put it in a zipper envelope, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But it was a special season because that was like my very first community that I created. Um, It was the very first time I like had, I got the repetitions in of coaching people in person. Mm -hmm. Um, It's so important for people who want to work online if you don't know how to work with people in person, I think you're going to struggle. Like yes. that gives you so such a good foundation of connection and communication with people and just empathy. Mm-hmm. Like knowing, like when you were putting the rope over your head, I, when I when I hear that, I'm imagining, because I used to run boot camps and I remember having like, you know, battle ropes. Mm-hmm. We'd like have people press them over there and just hold them up there while their partner was doing something. Their shoulders are just burning. So I'm picturing you doing mm-hmm. that. And when he said that to you, like that, that made something click. You know, and I think uh, I would love I would love to know a few things that I pulled away from your story was um, 
patience, obviously action, taking risk. Um, and I think like you, you kind of just alluded to it, but like people always say like the first step is always the hardest. Taking action is always the hardest thing. But I would say like the second and third time is the hardest because you can take action once, but if you fail, it's so much harder to get back on the horse and do it again. And if you fail again, to do it again, you know, and you obviously did that. And now you've created this thing where you can talk to other women going through that and, and showing them the light at the end of the tunnel and teaching them your story and stuff. I think it's so powerful. So um, long story short, I want to get into like, if you have like a found, like what is the foundation of Fit Me? What is like the philosophy? Like what is your message? And then we can, I think that'll kind of spin into a, a whole entire yeah. conversation. You know, to just a quick like, two second fast forward is I left Washington. I had to leave that community and business behind. I spent the next three years coaching in the CrossFit space and mm. the weightlifting space. So I ran a gym in Maryland, which was a great experience. Again, so you lots went back of, to Maryland, back to Maryland, had to leave my business behind back in Maryland coaching. And then I had knew we were going to leave again. And so that's when I started looking at nutrition and I was like, okay, well I can coach nutrition wherever I am. I don't have to leave it behind anymore. So Ultimately, that's how I met you because I had just put my toe in the water mm. of like, I'm going to, I'm going to coach people online and I'm going to build my own business so that when I move back to Washington, I can coach wherever. Um, and I spent about a year and a half building a one-on-one -on -one nutrition coaching business. Um, we primarily used macros as a tool. It was, you know, a very responsible, and I say responsible because there's a lot of hack versions yeah. of coaching, but I felt like we did our very best effort of providing like one-on-one -on -one coaching. I grew a small team. It grew, which was awesome. But 18 months into it, I was like, this isn't it. And around this time last year, I scrapped the whole thing. Mm. And I said, you know what? I don't want to do that anymore. The the part of my soul that was changed with that coach back in the day wasn't changed because of these advanced one-on-one -on -one nutrition coaching protocols. Yeah. And even though I see an important place for them, that wasn't my passion. And I said, I want to create a community for women online who want diet-free real habits that work for their real life so that when they have the curveballs thrown at them, like, oh, I have to move across country or I get a breast cancer diagnosis or, you know, my kid is going through a learning disability or I have to take care of my parents because of whatever or I go through a divorce or whatever life throws at you, that you actually have the foundation of real habits that will work. Mm -hmm. And so the mission of Fit Me shifted from providing, like, we were doing one-on-one -on -one nutrition coaching um, to now we create diet-free, sustainable habits. And so the women that join us, we don't do one-on-one -on -one coaching. This is a community. Um, you get a coach who helps you, but ultimately the entire purpose of it is to rebuild foundations. So, yes, people lose weight, and yes, they're going to fix their relationship with food and their body, but the way that we do it is to completely like upend the way they think about food, the way they think about boundaries, the way they think about their body. And so we use the, the most simple and basic um, tenets, mm -hmm. and that's all we do. The, the, it's the simplest program you could ever imagine. And then we just apply it to real life. And that's my coaching system. It, I think it 
the only thing I can think of is that it like, takes balls to do this, which is kind of obviously not the best way That's to bring okay. this for you. But <laughs> like to stop that far in when you're being successful and being like, nah, this isn't it, I think takes so much awareness um, and that's something a lot of people, even like if we go back to your weight loss journey, like that whole acceptance piece that we talked about, mm-hmm. you have to become aware and then you have to accept it and then you have to want to change it. And, and for you to change that far into the game, I think is pr- one, it's respectable, but it's hard, it is hard, you know? And I think that ultimately, and this, this is a really good thing to ask you about. Um, and one of the reasons why I'm so excited about this is because we do run completely different style of coaching. Like mm-hmm. you said, like, I don't want to do deep dive nutrition specific and that's all, that's what we do, you yeah. know? And that's what changed my life, that's why I'm so passionate about it is because I had to find a mentor who was a science geek for me to get into this and to change my body and to figure out what sustainable results would look like. Um, but my point is, is one of the hardest things that I've experienced as a business owner and in the, the era of influencers and all this shit is, is to avoid comparison. Mm-hmm. And I've done a really good job of kind of just like putting my blinders on and ignoring what other people are doing so I can just keep focusing on my mission ahead. Um, but I think you shifting is a good example of, of staying true to that, right? Because you came into it and, and I'm not saying that comparison led you to do it that way, but you just follow the examples that you see. Yeah. And so I was like, I want to be an online coach. And I saw the examples of one-on-one online nutrition coaching coaches that I respected were doing it in a certain way. And I still respect them. Yeah. I still think that it's a very valid way to coach people. Um, what came through for me and it took time to figure this out was that wasn't what my person needed and so even as I like start to talk about what I believe and why fit me is on this particular mission it might not be for your person it might not be for you that's totally okay yeah but I know what I needed back when I was stuck when I was 40 pounds overweight and I was completely lost from myself at that moment what I needed was some basics I needed someone to tell me that I'm supposed to drink water, I'm not supposed to go eat fast food all the time, that I can make real food plates. I didn't know how to do that. I'd never learned. And that I could create boundaries and prioritize myself and I could still be a good mom and I could still be, you know, successful at other things, but I needed to take ownership and prioritize that. That was like the mental reframe that changed my life. And then you put that with a community of people, that was the magic. Mm -hmm. So it's like the... The simplicity of it was all I actually needed to lose the 40 pounds. Would it have been enough to get me on stage or to compete competitively or to like see my optimal body or physique? Probably not. But was it enough to like change my life, to lose the extra body weight, to like find that inner athlete again? It was. And I think most anyone who coaches knows that that's true. The majority of your weight loss for someone who's overweight is going to happen from the basics. And then you fine tune it with, you know, but people use different tools. So it's not to say that you can't lose the weight using different tools, but having those boundaries in place and having the community as a glue was everything. And so looking at what my person, someone who's stuck, like I was stuck, and then looking at how they are trying to use either diet gimmicks, they're still stuck in that place where they're trying to do the payday loan, Mm -hmm. you know, or they are using advanced protocols that do work, but that don't work in their real life because they can't apply that consistency. Yeah. They can't get past the 30 years of dieting they've already done. 
they can't like figure out how to do that and also eat with their kids. They can't figure out how to do that and then also go on vacation and come back. So I saw a need for something different, something that would actually give people, I call it bullshit goggles. <laughs> like if all the diet culture nonsense yeah. is like bullshit. If I give you goggles, now it's not going to get in your eyes anymore and you can just like do your life. Yeah. And then there is a place when you have that foundation in place, the whole world's accessible to you. Then by all means, like pursue everything your heart desires, do a sprint triathlon, like compete in this and that, or just like be happy hanging out with your kids at the pool. But you can finally, you can access it when it's like, when you have that foundation, but without that foundation, you're just like one bad day away from starting all over and being stuck. Yeah. I I was, uh, I'm going through this course right now and they were, there was like a whole presentation on pseudoscience and, and I wrote a post about like it cause it was such a good topic. And I know as soon as I post it, it's going to cause some controversy because it was like seed cycling. And there's, I know so many people that swear by seed cycling. There's absolutely no literature to prove it's effective. Now there's anecdote from people and scientists can't say, no, you didn't feel that way. You didn't feel better. And if placebo works, then placebo is real. Placebo is hundred percent real. I've even had somebody uh, on my team ask me about a supplement I was taking and they were like, do you think it works? And I was like, if it doesn't, it make me, makes me think it works. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to keep buying it because yeah. the placebo is real. But it went down the list of like alkaline water. And then it went into um, even acupuncture. And it was like talking about like there's really no like hard evidence that any of these work. And that's okay because if you go and it feels good, do it, you know. But like Cairo was one of the things on there. I go to the Cairo and I feel better. So I'm going to keep going. But the point of it was is like, there's people out there like selling these fad diets and selling these pseudoscience gimmicks so hard and making these false claim promises that it, it makes it even harder because as people who do value research in real like evidence-based information, you really can't call them out too much because if they're like, well, look at my clients, it worked for them. And you're like, well, fuck, I can't say it didn't because they look leaner, you know, but did it just create a bigger deficit? Did you do like, where, where were they at six months later? You know, cause like there's always the rebound effect. So I think it's so important. Like I love the bullshit goggles thing, but it's so important for people to come out and actually talk about that stuff more because I always look at it. Like if a plumber came into my house and started like talking pipes with me, I'd be like, dude, I have no idea what the fuck you're talking about. So why should we expect the everyday person on Instagram to understand nutrition information. They don't. I mean, I didn't. I went to the Naval Academy and got a master's degree before I learned how to build a plate of food, <laughs> you know, yeah. that was actually healthy. Yeah. I thought I could drink diet soda and slim fast my way to a healthy body. I had no clue. It didn't matter that I was like educated or a good mom or a nice person or anything. Nobody had told me those basics. And so really the pivot that Fit Me made, it's not that I shifted into like, oh, here's one type of coaching, one, you know, one-on-one nutrition coaching and that that was bad. I don't think that at all. The pivot that we made is to completely be different in a different space. I'm not trying to even say that someone shouldn't do that. I'm trying to say that my person needs to do this first and maybe forever. Because if you're going to live in body debt, for the rest of your life and just keep out take, taking loans, God. you're never getting out. I love that body debt. Yeah. And, and there's, and just like money, there's some basics, right? That some people learn and some people don't. And personally, I didn't learn a lot of financial 
things either growing up. Again, single mom, she did the best she could, but when she bought something, it usually was on a credit card. When we got a couch, it was financed. When, you know, when we, we didn't go on vacations, I didn't know how that worked. And so when I got, when I grew up, I was like, okay, well, what can I finance? Like how much, how much can I afford meant like, what could I, you know, how many credit cards, how many credit cards could I have? (laughs) Yeah. And so it wasn't until I had some super basics around finances that somebody was like, Hey, you don't actually put stuff on credit cards. Mm -hmm. I was like, nobody told me that. Um, or you need to have some cash savings. Nobody told me that either. Yeah. So those basics gave me access to other things. But without putting those basics in place, I was going to, again, be forever in debt. And I think our, our bodies and our, our, tr- our nutrition, like our relationship with our bodies are really similar. If you grew up like learning body debt as a way to live, you don't need a diet. Yeah. You don't need another thing. You have to address those basics. And for me, my favorite way to do that is with community because I've found that people will show up for each other way more than they'll show up for themselves. And that's one of my favorite things to create is a place where you can make true, meaningful connection in the online space, which is hard to do. Yeah, it is. And then have a reason to show up when you don't want to. And have a reason to care about somebody else's journey when yours is hard so that you'll still keep showing up. And when you create that kind of consistency over months and then years, that's how you change lives. Or at least that's how I can make a difference for people. Yeah. Um, there's so many things I want to pick apart there. Um, one thing that came to mind just for people listening, I think is a good financial tip. Um, and it's funny that I learned this from Jay-Z because he said it uh-huh. in an interview. And I was like, when I was really young, I heard it. And he basically said like, don't buy anything on a credit card unless you can buy it twice cash. And mm-hmm. I was like, that's a great fucking mindset to have. Yeah. Cause now I'll never have that big credit card bill and being like, fuck, I can't even pay it off this month. You know, if I wanted to, I should be able to, you know, or just clear it every month. Right. But it's um, a perfect parallel actually, because if you have your financial ducks in a row, there's no reason you can't use a credit exactly. card sometimes. Yeah. But if you don't, then credit cards are absolutely off the table. Yeah. And that's exactly how I treat the nutrition boundaries. Yeah. Soda, for example, if you've got all your nutrition ducks in a row, I could care less if you drink a Dr. Pepper. Yeah. It does not matter to me. But if you are living in body debt and you have backwards mindset around all this, then soda's off the table. That's a boundary that has to be there for our day to day. Well, and that's what real flexible dieting is, right? It's like, mm-hmm. let's get your ducks in a row. Let's mark off all your health check marks and boxes. If you crush all those, have your Snickers, do whatever. I don't give a shit. But you got to hit those first. Did you get your omega threes? Did you get your healthy fibers? Did you get your fruits and vegetables? Did you get your water? Like, did yeah. you get your lean protein? Okay, cool. Now you can have whatever it is you want. Um, and I actually think like this mindset, I've learned this over the last two years, two and a half years since my daughter was born. It's so unbelievably important to watch your vocabulary and self-talk around children because we talk about You've been dieting for 30 years. You've been dieting. I've, I've had people say like, oh, I started dieting when I was 12. I was like, what the fuck? Why? You know, and like we've, we've had clients that, are, that have been like, hey, can you help my kids? And I'm like, yeah, but they're not touching my fitness pal. They're not touching macro. They're not doing any of that. Like, let's just teach them about real food. And they can eat whenever they want, however much they want. But it's just let's aim for whole foods majority of the time. Because otherwise, it just creates such a bad environment for the kid to grow up in. But um, one of the things I really wanted to touch on with you today, and you really started kind of hammering at home with your community, is accountability. And I think what you said is basically the epitome of accountability, right? Accountability is so valuable. 
I feel like it's undervalued. Do you think that a lot of people neglect that or a lot of people don't maybe not even accept that even for you like you you were searching for things that you could do on your own and it wasn't until somebody else reached their hand out and like just let me help you and then everything changed for you right and I think there's so many people that I don't know if they're stubborn I don't know if it's just like ego but they won't take the hand they won't just get help but that help is accountability nine times out of ten that's going to make you leap and bounce go way farther I think a lot of times people are just afraid that they're going to fail again. Mm. And so accountability, which should be a positive, ends up feeling like a negative. Because if you think that you're going to fail, it feels bad. And that's another reason why coaching like this is so important because you have to have judgment-free coaching, mm-hmm. right? Even um, so Travis, our media guy here with us, his uh, fiance started working with one of our coaches. And she was talking, her and my wife are really good friends, and they were talking about like her experience. And she said, she was like, Matt, I fell off my diet for a full week, but having that check-in with Lisa helped so much because I could talk to her about it and I had a chance to reflect. And it wasn't like shame on me. It was like, oh, okay, this is why I wasn't able to stick to the plan. Here's how I do it better. Mm-hmm. Like, here's how I change. And and if you don't have that judgment-free space, I think that's where accountability gets dangerous because then it's like the fear of checking in because you don't want to be ridiculed. Exactly. And I also think no matter if you are coaching one-on-one, if you are on a team or if you're in any environment, if you have no idea what your values and culture are, then you can't create that space. And so inside Fit Me, like a year ago when I flipped the whole business, you know, Mm -hmm. one of the very first things we did was establish what our values are. And I've heard you talk about yours before, like what your core values are, but that's how you create that. And so thinking about that and sharing it with your clients from the very beginning, hey, one of my values is X. Like, I want you to show up no matter what. Like, consistency is the most important thing to me. So even if you had a bad week, I want you to show up. Like, whatever you pick, honesty. Like, you could pick any number of values, but having those as sort of waypoints for the people that you're coaching makes such a big difference because then they know how, they know they're not going to be judged then. Mm -hmm. So for Fit Me, like, our values are realness, Show up no matter what, even if it's been a, a bad week or a bad month. Um, we want you here, not unfiltered. Yeah. Um, connection. Connection's more important than other things for us. And then resiliency. And so if it doesn't help you on your worst day, then it's not a thing that we pursue. Um, and again, that's by design. And not to say that there aren't a, a ton of other good values, but those help shape the community and that accountability piece. Because then yeah. people know how to come when they've been successful and how to come when they haven't been. I think creating your core values is so important. And it's, it's such a non-nutrition thing that relates so much to a nutrition or training client. Um, I remember, do you know who Martin Rooney is? I know the name. So he was big back in the day of like, I mean, he's still well known, but he was like the man in the fitness space for like seminars and stuff like that. And he was doing a private seminar for us at the gym I worked at. And he was like, all right, we're going to like, I want everybody to create their core values. You know, you can have up to 10, but you don't, you know, there's no limit, just your core values. And I was the first person to raise my hand. And he straight up called me out. He was like, you just think those words sound cool. And I was young and it was true. I was like loyal, uh, committed, hustle, like just like random shit. And he was like, would you die for those things? Like, do you, can you say that you haven't done it? Like you haven't gone against those rules in the last year and it was like fuck no and he was like on day three of this seminar I want you to come with a real list because right now you're just spitting out words that you think are cool and I was like man that is really powerful and it went from like 10 cool words to like three things that I really believed in and I could honestly say that I live my life by and I think that's really important for people to do is like 
really, really think about what those words are and, and live by them. Mm-hmm. Because that's the only way you have any type of clarity or direction in life, period. It's okay to brainstorm 10 or 20. Yeah. Like that brainstorm process can be 10 or 20, but then getting down to why you choose the ones you choose, that's the secret sauce. Mm-hmm. The uncomfortable reason why this one matters over that one, why does honesty matter to you more than consistency? Like, well, that's a hard question to answer. So you w- answering that matters. Yeah. It's so funny because my son, he's, I have two, two boys. They're um, almost nine and eight, no, almost 10 <laughs> and almost 12. So my nine-year-old, he's an old soul. And he says the craziest thing sometimes. <laughs> um, very like strange ways he looks at the world and it's really, really cool. And this morning he said to me, so we rescued four puppies last week. Um, so uh, a totally different story, but we basically <laughs> have four Mastiff mixed puppies at my oh, house right now. big. That we rescued and um, they're babies. They're only not even six weeks so old. So cute. Yes. My brother has a Mastiff, but he's like <sighs> full grown, massive dog. So Henry goes, this is my son, he goes, which one's your favorite? And I was like, buddy, I like them all. And he goes, well, you can't have more than one favorite. And he meant it. And I was like, oh, my God. How does he even know that? (laughs) He knows the definition of the word favorite in a way that, like, most of us don't think, oh, I have all these things are my favorites. Yeah. No. He's talking about it like we were talking about priority. There's, you can't have multiple priorities. You have a priority. You know, everything else is just in line. Yeah. It was so funny that he said that, but it's true with these values too. If everything's your values, you have no values. You have to define which, what's important to you. And they can change in different seasons. They don't have to be like etched on your tombstone, but you, you got to know your principles and what matters to you in a coaching relationship. And you have to verbalize that to the people that you're working with. Yeah. Isn't it funny how much your kids will like teach you things like that or like just remind you of things like even like my daughter's only two and a half, but some of the stuff like cracks me up. Like literally actually just yesterday we're trying to teach her cause she'll like throw a bottle and then go get it. And I'm like, no, yeah, you get your ass up and get it. I don't say that, but I'm like, get up. So her bottle was like across the room. She was laying in my bed with uh, watch TV with my wife and she's like, dad, dad. And I know she, what she wants, but she knows how to get my attention. So she goes, Cody, because I hate when she says Cody. Oh, no. And I, like, storm in there, and she's like, Cody, Cody. And I was like, my name's Dad. Don't do that. And she just, like, is grinning at me, and she goes, Baba. And I'm like, oh, my God, this girl. Kids are crazy. I I do have to say, my boys are 9 and 11, but I have an 18-month-old daughter. Yeah. Um, I feel like I left her out of that story. But, yes, I completely get it. Your kids see the world from that fresh perspective, and – I love that because mm-hmm. it's before it's jaded before we have yeah. like a lot of expectations and like weird things and dogma attached to it. They just say things. Yeah. Especially with the, like COVID and everything, like the way that they can still have fun, still have an imagination, not let things bother them. It kind of like pulls you back and you're like, okay, mm-hmm. big picture. I have a healthy, happy family. Like yeah. I need to chill. Let yeah. the anxiety calm down. Um, one thing I want to ask you is about your niche. So you've kind of alluded to like finding your niche multiple times without telling us like how you find your niche. And I think that's a question I get all the time and it's hard for me to answer because my niche kind of found me. I didn't really try to seek out a niche, but it sounds like you did try to seek out a niche and you were successful at it, but then you realized it wasn't really like your calling. It wasn't really your true niche of a client. And so you shifted and pivoted. How do you, how do you suggest people find their niche? Is it more about finding people who are more like you 
or is it like is there like a like a practice you went through or some some kind of aha moment that you had to go through I think I know the answer to this at least for me in the beginning it's not bad to do repetitions first so if you start coaching and you don't know I do think it's totally okay just to spend some time Working with everybody. Working with people. Yeah. That can be a totally legitimate path. I also think some people just come right out knowing exactly what their favorite thing is. There's two kinds of niches, in my opinion. I don't even know if I say that right. Niche or niche. I have no idea. Um, one would be something that you feel like this is my the only thing I want to do. So like a coach-driven thing. I am passionate about whatever. About I'm passionate about powerlifting. I love it, love it, love it. I could talk about it all day. I'm just going to do that because that's my niche. I want to work with power lifters. Um, that's valid. I also think there's another one, which is how I found mine, which is the biggest possible delta. So I liked a lot of different things. Like mm -hmm. I liked personal training. I liked boot camp. I liked weightlifting. I liked, you know, CrossFit. I liked nutrition coaching. I liked all of these things. And I found joy in doing all of them. And that can be really hard. I know a lot of coaches feel like that. Yeah. I like all these things. I liked coaching gymnastics. I liked all this stuff. So then I was like in this position where I said, what do, where do I need to be? Where's my place in this whole world of helping people be better and be happier? And I asked myself, where's the biggest delta? Where's the place where if someone came to me I could say you are 1,000% in the right place. I can take you from point A to point Z. Mm. Not A to B, not A to C. There, I know a lot of coaches who could do that, but I'm the right one to take you this distance. And that delta was where it helped me find my person. Because then it helped me clear it up. Like, okay, I can teach you how to do a snatch, right? A weightlifting snatch. But I, that, I'm not going to give you the biggest delta there. I know people who could though. Yeah. That's your jam. Okay. You want to learn how to do a handstand? Like I can teach you, but I'm not a gymnastics coach. There's somebody over there who can do that. You want to fix your hormone profile? Like I could probably help, but that's again, like my biggest Delta became, I can fix this fundamental foundation of your daily habits. Um, in your, the way you think about food, these basics and also the fact that you're alone and I can connect you like glue to a community that you would never have access to otherwise, that's my delta. Yeah. How, how, how important is transparency within that group that makes it effective? Because I think there's, there's a lot of groups out there, but yours is like astonishingly powerful compared to most I've seen. Um, it's you, everything. It's, it, is it that transparency inside that group that gets people to, to actually stick to the, or actually see those changes because they're not faking it? Like, what is that? We make, so we have a couple, like, guidelines. Other than the fact that we talk about our values, realness being one, that helps people be transparent and show up. We have a no mean girls rule. So we guard that community. If you're a mean girl, you're out. Like, you'll ruin it. I won't have it. And so I need a place where if you're quirky, if you are imperfect, if you're doing your best, if you had a shit week or a shit month, you can still show up and continue to do these basics. And you can't do that if you let mean girls in. Yeah. So it's insular in that way. Um, but also I think our coaching team tries to lead by example. So 
were flawed and imperfect. And instead of hiding that, which you normally see like on social media, we try yeah. to lean into it a little bit and say like, this is where I'm working on me and I'm on this journey with you. I'm just in a different place. I can help you with where you're at, but I'm on my own journey too. That creates the kind of transparency that allows people to feel safe in a community. I think that builds so much trust and respect. And then that leads to transparency, you know, because mm-hmm. I think if you're just real, raw, authentic, like it's so much easier for me to trust you and, and tell you my realness because you're out here putting it in the public. You, I know you're not going to judge me for mm-hmm. mine, you know. Um, and I think that, that to me that boils down to acceptance, which is I, I wanted to touch on body image with you today too because mm-hmm. – I think you're really good, even just from following you on Instagram, you're really, really good about like empowering women with that and not worrying about exactly what you look like or being perfect. And, and, and I've talked to plenty of people about this, like Instagram is definitely a highlight reel. And I've even said for me, it's like, I don't post negative shit on there. So it is a highlight reel. Trust me. I go through shit too, but it's, I just, I have no reason to put it on there. So, um, but you do a good job of putting whatever you want on there and empowering people. Um, do you think, like, how do you get people, I guess what I want to know is how do you get people to accept imperfectness? Like you just said, like, if you're imperfect, this is a good place for you. We're all imperfect, essentially. But how do you get people to accept that? Like, what's the key? Because I think that's, like, one of the biggest struggles most women have is just accepting where they're at and it, that it's not where Susie on Instagram is at. And that doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. That's a really good question because it's tough. I feel like part of it is that ownership piece Mm -hmm. because when you start to make decisions that take care of your body it it helps with the confidence piece like the why in terms of why I work out is different now than it used to be back when I was stuck the why to work out was to burn calories so that hopefully some of this weight would go away yeah the why for how I work out now is because I want to take care of myself it's not always fun sometimes I hate it just like everybody but it's because I'm showing up because I want to take care of my body. And the reason I say that is because that little mental shift translates into being imperfect. It's like I'm doing, I had my daughter 18 months ago. I'm working out consistently. I'm eating well. I'm doing the very best that I can to run a, a company and be there for my family and all of that stuff. And I'm still probably seven pounds or so away from where I was before I got pregnant my body does not look the same, but I'm doing all of those things. So then it's like, well, why can't I be, why can't I be in a picture right now? Why am I only worthy before and after? Mm. Like it, in women, especially we get in this place around pregnancy and around transformation. I know men do it too, but at least from my perspective, I see women where you, you get to take maternity pictures and then you get to take the pictures of when your body is all the way back. Yeah. But none of the journey is valid. Um, you're just on your way. Or like, you're doing a good job, but you're not quite there yet. That's great. That, but that's, that also makes you feel shitty. Yeah. Like, what if you're doing your very best? And so sometimes I show up real even when I don't want to because this particular mission is important to me. I want to create an example in the fitness and nutrition space, particularly for women who don't feel like their bodies look like fitness models. Um, I want to create that example as a, a business owner and as someone who's trying to make a, you know, impact in the world 
that you don't have to have like perfect makeup all the time or look great every day to show up on camera. You can just show up as you are. Um, so sometimes even if it's uncomfortable, I do it deliberately because I feel like there's too much of the alternative, which is like this fake, I'm not worthy until I'm perfect. The journey didn't matter. Now I've got this after and I'm perpetually afraid I'm going to lose it again. You know, if we're constantly embracing this, I'm still on a journey, then when you do get life curveballs, because you're gonna, then it doesn't throw you off anymore. Mm. You're just, just in a different place. And so I try to set that example because I think we need it. The, the so social media has been amazing for connecting people together, but it's also been really toxic, particularly in how we view what bodies should look like. Mm. Do you have specific practices you give your members to like shift into that mindset? Because obviously like everything you just said, I 100% agree with, but I know there's going to be people listening. It's like easier said than done. Super easier said than done. You know, and I think it takes getting it done to consistently get it done. Like it's one of those things where the first time's always uncomfortable. Um, and a lot of times, you know, what's funny about that is a lot of times people don't judge you. You judge yourself. So you project your judgment and your stories onto what you think other people will think. And that's never the case. Um, like I even had like uh, I'm working with a guy right now and one of the things that like he's been really good about trying to like pull me away from work. So it's like, hey, man, if you want your business to grow, you, you need to get out of there a little bit more because you need time for yourself, not just for your girls, not just for your business, but like for you. So I started playing guitar again. He's like, all right, in 60 days, you're playing something on your Instagram. And I was like, fuck, all right, man. System went on maternity leave. My schedule got completely changed. I was doing all this admin work that I haven't done in over a year, like – so it's just been crazy. I haven't been playing. So like, but that accountability, I was like, man, I didn't, I, I can't, I can't really play a song on Instagram right now. I can't do it. And he was just like, all right, well then hold the guitar and tell him why that you fell off. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> all right. I got a ton of responses about how like people were like, man, this is so motivating. Thank you so much. Like I, I relate to this, but while I'm filming it, I'm like shit in my pants. Like, fuck, this is like, I'm so hard. I suck. Like, this is horrible. Like, I don't know what to say. I'm embarrassed. None of the things that went through my head were actually what people were thinking, I guarantee. It's like people in the gym that yeah. are, like, worried about what they're thinking they look like, and then that person's actually worrying about what they think they look like, and it's just, like, this this crazy loop. But um, do you have practices that help people start acting the way you're talking about and start shifting You mean, that? like, coaches or just people in general? Coaches and people in general. Like, I mean, like, there's got to be some kind of uh, – I mean, I love – like, there is no hack, but I love, like, people coming on the podcast and being, like – this is what my routine is like. This, these are the affirmations I tell myself. This is what I journal because this keeps reigniting that fire in my head to be that way, to be transparent, to be real, to be open, to be honest, so on and so forth. So almost always, it's the twisty thing you don't want to say. Mm. So say, for example, and I'm just thinking about this from like a person who writes things and puts it out, like whether it's content or you're thinking about coaching and Maybe you, you start typing up a blog or something or you type up an Instagram post and you write it and you're like, that's pretty good. It's a thing. But then that little thing that's in you that's kind of like itching that you're like definitely not going there, that's usually it. And so that would be an example like in the content creation space. Like so maybe, you know, you know deep down that you've actually been lying on your MyFitnessPal. Like you finish it, you close it out, and then you have like three <laughs> scoops of chocolate chips. That's the thing you should talk about. Yeah. That's the real piece that will bridge the gap for people to know you're human. But that's not the thing you want to talk about. You just did a whole, you know, Instagram post on how to, you know, calculate your day's targets and 
meal prep accordingly, super helpful. But the real piece was the fact that you lied to yourself on your MyFitnessPal. Um, that's how I would think about that in terms of coaching or creating content is like when you find those itchy little hiders, you know, you don't have to just blatantly share everything in your head. That's not helpful either. Um, it, it's not, we're not helping people by just dumping all of our crap onto the universe, but those pieces of you that feel insecure or uncertain or like a child or those matter and that will help somebody meal prep. You know, it's not just like a diversion where you're like going to shoot the shit about nothing. It's a, oh, okay, you're a human. You still do this like I do. And now I'm going to listen to you and follow your plan for meal prep. Um, for people who are, you know, more starting out in the coaching space, you get those twisty feelings sometimes when you're in a room with new people. So if you go to a certification and everybody in there, you're like, I'm the only one who's chubby. Mm. Or like, I bet everybody in here can lift more than me or everybody in here is smarter. Those twisty feelings, those are the ones that if you share those to your people, that's how you start your coaching business. Because your person feels like they're the fattest person in the gym. They're, your person feels like everybody else in their spin class can keep up and they can't. And so that's your human bridge. Um, and again, it doesn't work if you fake it. So like, don't go like mining for fake authenticity. Yeah. But if you feel those feelings, then that's how you connect to people. Um, and then once you create trust by sharing that, then it becomes reciprocal. And someone's willing to share with you, you know, why they had, a, what was the real source of what held them back? You can like say something as simple as, okay, I want to drink my water. <laughs> I want to drink water every day. And they're not good at it. Well, you can play in the surface for a long time. Um, or if you have an authentic relationship with someone and they trust you, you'll find out real quick what, what actually is pr the problem there. Um, and so it's, it's important in so many reasons. But if you're actually in the business of people and helping people, you have to show up as a human. Yeah. I think that a lot of business owners and young coaches try to strive to be an influencer, but you should strive to be, and it's funny you just said human, because I was going to say you should strive to be a human who creates influence. Like yeah. Influence is a good thing. And the term influencer should be a good thing. That's not necessarily anymore, because we know that there's a lot of people that are just influencers. They're not really helping. They're not really showing what real life is like. Um, and I think it's important like for people like us who are not genetically gifted to look amazing, put that kind of stuff out there, you know, cause, all those nutter butters and Otis uh, Spunkmeyer that's cookies. what I'm saying. <laughs> I was overweight. I get it. And, uh -huh. and, and that makes my message more powerful because it's like, Hey, I struggled with my weight for years, but I figured it out after a while. And, and I always, I'm honest too. Like people are like, how long have you been training? I'm like 10 years every single fucking week. So it's like this, it doesn't happen overnight. I'm not saying you need to sign up for 10 years of coaching, but you should sign up for a year. Yeah. yeah, you should commit. Like, and I think our uh, program is only a year. So speaking of that, that I was one that. of the things we changed. Um, you know, used to go month to month one on one nutrition coaching. Now my Fit Me program is a year. So we allow people to come in for the first three months, and if it's not a fit, then we point them in another direction. And if it is, they're with us for a year. There's no in between. I love that. I think uh, we've we've considered upping ours as well. Um, Ours is three months right now, which is more generic in, in 
my realm, but I always have the conversation with people and I'm like, if you don't have the mind frame of at least six months in your head, I don't care what your goal is. Even if your goal would take three months, if you don't have at least six months in your head, you're not in the right headspace to do this because it's always longer than the timeline you, you think. Right. And if you calculate, uh, like the percentage of weight that should be lost per week and what your goal is and you do all that kind of shit and try to get sciencey with it, it might tell you 12 weeks or 10 weeks or whatever it is, but it's going to take longer. Like you said earlier, life happens. Like if you don't understand how to be flexible, if you don't have a timeline that can expand if it needs to, there's going to be a birthday. There's going to be a barbecue. There's going to be a bad day at work. There's going to be a fight with your spouse. There's going to be, um, I mean, anything. I remember my fridge broke and I was like, holy shit. And then it was, it broke on uh, the Saturday after Black Friday. Mm-hmm. So I was like, all right, I'll rush deliver a fridge. Everyone's sold out. Because oh, Black Friday God. deals were going crazy. And uh, me and my, Shannon were like, what the fuck? We have breast milk in there. Like, we oh, need it for... No. Oh, it was, it was a nightmare. So I, like, found this, like, mini fridge to put in the garage for the time being. But point being, like, that threw off all my meals. Right. And it's like, okay, what do I do? Do I, like, say, oh, fuck it. I'm, I'm going back to the Nutter Butters. <laughs> or do I say, all right, well, the gas station has jerky and an exactly. apple. Like, let me, let me figure this out, you know? And I think that's the big key. And that takes time. It takes it education. Take time. And, and for someone who comes to fit me, there are faster ways to lose weight. Yeah. We are not the fastest. What we do is I will change the way that you have to approach this for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. And so it's going to take a year minimum because we're working with, again, someone who's been in diet, who's been in body debt, and we're going to fix how you think about food and how you think about your body. Um, and that just takes time and it's a continual practice. Like it becomes something you have to devote time to just like training. I mean, you're not going to get strong without continuously being on that journey. You'll probably be 90 years old and still doing some version of training because it's just a part of who you are. And so for women, especially you lose a little bit of who you are sometimes when you have kids And sometimes even as you fight your way in a professional space, um, I just know so many women who who give up on the physical part because they think they can't have it. They think like, okay, well, if I'm going to be a successful professional, like I've got to throw myself into this. I have to work extra hard. I have to be there longer. I have to sit here through lunch. Like maybe the guys go and work out during lunch. I'm going to sit here at my desk because I'm going to be available. Um, or you get there early and you, then you feel stressed because when you get home, you've got to juggle the kids and you're like, I, I feel so bad. I'm already gone all day. I'm a shit mom because I'm working. There's no way I can go to the gym now. And so you just stay. And that piece of you just gets pushed because you think that you can't have that. Yeah. And so to change the way that you, f- without quitting <laughs> everything and just saying like, okay, well now I'm going to like zen myself into a happy body, you have to figure out how do I actually take care of myself and create a happy body that I can live in and thrive in and also be a mom and also be a professional. And sometimes it takes boundaries. I can't even tell you how many women have come in to fit me either into our coaching program or into like my mentorship program who've ended up leaving their jobs because it turns out it's not compatible Mm. and they just needed permission to pursue something that was. But Again, it's like that doesn't happen in six weeks. Um, You have to rebuild piece by piece, but you don't want to sit on the sidelines while your kids are in the pool. 
because you don't want to take off your clothes because you feel like you're too fat or you look dumb in your swimsuit and like you'd be embarrassed or you don't want to have to wear jeans to the barbecue because you'd rather be in shorts but it's it's so hot and but you can't stand how you look in shorts like you're missing it yeah and even just the things about you know work like it it sucks to feel like you're a successful professional and you're working your ass off but you can't crack the code on this one thing you're going to be perpetually overweight and it diminishes your confidence it diminishes what you're willing to put yourself out there for so you're missing it and so I mean to me that is the whole reason to do any of this is just to give people back those things that they're missing when I think like this work that takes so long to develop kind of like to develop your mind to be able to sustain this it's so much different than fat loss because there's so many people who are lean or continue like cyclically get lean and you see them on Instagram for six months and then they go away for six months and they come back. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and they can get as shredded as they want, but it doesn't change their mind frame. And it's when you commit to that long term, you take the slower route. Even for us, when we have somebody that I'm like, hey, you don't have a ton of light to lose. I am going to go pretty aggressive with your diet because I think it's the only way it's, this is going to work. But I still want you to commit to six months and it's like why it's like well because we're gonna be aggressive and then i'm gonna pull you out of it and i want to show you how i do that and why i do that and how long i do that for so important and then we're gonna put you back into it for a little bit longer to get there and then i'm gonna pull you out at the right time to show you what that looks like um and and i have like i have one guy that uh reached out a few months after he was done and i basically was like hey here's your reverse diet plan this is when i want you to adjust this is how you know to adjust this is how long do it like i broke down everything for him he sent me a picture and he's shredded and he's eating way more food. He's like, dude, everything step-by-step you gave me is working. Like, this is so great. And I'm like, that's what this shit's about. You committed for, you were with me for eight months. We got through a bunch of different phases. You learned a lot. I gave you an exit strategy. And then you come back three months later and you tell me, like, it's working perfectly. But it's because you committed to that long-term and you accepted the educational piece. And you let me talk to you through these things and connect with you. That was, that's one of our core values as well is connection. Um, another one is authenticity, which is very similar to the realness one. But... Um, it's just, it's so, it's so important for people. You to gave him that. back that you gave him back eating more and feeling like he had a better life. And that's why I have such a heart for anybody who's in this coaching space to give people that connection back to their body, to let them be more empowered, to live life better. And we can all have different flavors and versions of that. Um, and, but at the end of the day, I think a lot of coaches get hung up on, well, my audience size isn't big enough, Mm. or I haven't had enough education, or I haven't had enough whatever. You can matter to a handful of people and change their whole life, and it'd be worth it. And so once you accept that, that I, I use that rule like in my mentorship program is like, if what you're doing, if it was good enough for just one person, and that would be worth it, then that's a good place to be. Yeah. But if you're like, oh, this only matters if fucking 10,000 people care, scrap it. Yeah. I did a exercise with one of my mentors uh, the other day, just a couple weeks ago, and we were like scoring different aspects. And it was like, how much do you care about what um, people who know you well think about you? So like Travis, my family, people like that. What about people who don't know you? So like you walk into a room, it's a bunch of new people you never met before. And then what about people who kind of know you? Followers, podcast listeners, stuff like that. And then what do you, like, what's your score for yourself? Like, what do you think, like, how much do you care about what you think about yourself? And that was my lowest score. And it was, like, such an eye-opening moment. It was like, damn, I'm doing too much based on 
trying to please others or trying to be this thing that I think others need or want me to be and I'm neglecting myself. You know, and it doesn't mean like you shouldn't spend your life or your time trying to be somebody for somebody else because I do a lot and it gives me power to, to know that I'm, I can be this person for, for this individual that I care about. You know, like that's important. But if I'm not like caring about myself or what I think about myself or even like thinking, I talked to somebody about this and they're like, dude, I've never even thought about what I think about myself. I've never even gave it at the time. I'm like, because you're too focused on what other people think of you, you know? And that was such an eye-opening moment because you start realizing like, okay, like going back to taking care of yourself. It's like, what do I need to do to take care of myself? What yeah. do I like, like what's the man I want to be just for me? Especially for someone like you who's, you know, you've built something. You're able to help other coaches build something. You're able to help people who come to, you know, your company have something. That's a lot of pressure to just push, 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 like how to be more successful. It feels like there's not a lot of space for you in there. Mm -hmm. And then when you carve it out, it's by default. You have, if you say yes to that, you're saying no to something else. Yeah. And when you feel that pressure, it's a good thing. I think that can be like very motivating, but it also could make you say, well, like you care more about those metrics than, than you do taking care of yourself. And it's just the same game that everybody else plays. It's just a different space. Yeah, I, I've, I've said multiple times, like the hardest part about success is the responsibility to keep it up. Mm -hmm. Because the more successful you get, the more responsibility you have for other people. Like making sure other people have food on their table. Making sure that the people who rely on you for their results, for their support, for their accountability, for their education, like all those kind of things, you know, for your family. It's also why I always say, and, and something you said earlier kind of made me think of this, but like, I always say balance is bullshit. And, and what I mean by that is like, you, you're not going to be able to divide up your time. So if you, if you're a busy mom, who's also working, who really wants to take care of themselves, but they have kids at home that are waiting on them and you got to help tutor them. And it's like all this stuff right now, homeschooling kids, mm -hmm. like you got to find time for yourself within there anyway, even if it takes time away from your kids, because if you don't do that, then you can't be the mom you need to be for your kids. percent. You know, and I had to make a decision with my wife of like, if, if I'm going to build this thing the way I want to build it, I'm going to have more hours in the office than I am with my daughter. Mm -hmm. I, there's no way around it, you know? And at a certain point I was able to be like, okay, I'm not working weekends. Like I'm going to be home by five and that's with my work on everything. And that's still not even half the amount of hours that she gets to spend with my daughter. Mm -hmm. She's also the perfect person for that role. And I'm the perfect person for this role. And I accept that. But if I go home and I'm present, which that thing on the iPhone that like allows you to block apps mm -hmm. has been a fucking lifesaver for this. But if I go home and I'm, my energy's there, then to me that is balance. You know, it's not about the hours, it's about quality. Quality. Less but better can be yeah. totally legitimate. And I think just when you're here and you're doing coaching and you're building this, you are able to, if you're not operating on the validation metrics, if you're just doing it because of that passion, the same reason that you like came out of the jump, you know, mm -hmm. and did your boot camp class, the those things will make it so that when you do go home and the time is less, it'll still feel okay. Yeah. Because you'll be like, okay, this time is less than it could be. I've made this trade off, but I can be present and be here with her now. And then this is what I'm doing something that matters. But when I think it starts to feel hollow is when you're operating off of like either fear, you're constantly operating off, what if I lose it? What if I go back a month? What if I like my numbers go down and you're operating that way or you're operating off of like how many likes did I get? How many new followers did I get? How many new signups? 
those metrics, if you spend all your time doing that, you're going to feel shitty when you go home. Yeah. That's the damn truth. And it's hard not to get sucked into that. It is hard. It's very hard. Numbers are powerful across weight loss, across business and and money, across followers. Oh my God. Like I feel it personally. I mean, growing this year, FitMe has been amazing. We have this incredible community. I have a coaching team. We're growing. And with that comes that fear. Oh my God. What if I make a misstep? Like, what if I don't push hard enough? What if I make a wrong decision? We're looking at how do we duplicate these communities? So like looking at the potential of building additional FitMe communities and licensing. I wrote a certification this year. All of that sounds amazing, except if I start operating under the pressure of like, what if I lose it all? What if I do this? What if I can't, you know, then it's just fear. Um, Sometimes I actually think about building this like I'm climbing a wall, you know? And I think about just breathe and move, you know? Each step is like its own step, Mm -hmm. not okay, now I'm real high up or now I'm, you know, at the bottom where you're trying to like measure your distance from where you started as opposed to just like being in the moment and breathe and move. And that helps me half the time because it allows me to do things that are unknown or scary. When I start to feel like, oh my God, I'm scared. Like I'm imposter syndrome. I shouldn't be in this room or what the heck are we talking about? Like, why am I here right now? I start to, I, that's what I go with, breathe and move. Like you're just here at this moment. Um, and then other times I just tell myself, you know what? If you fall down, you're just going to start climbing again. Yeah. And that's okay too. And that removes some of the pressure because then I'm like, okay, well, if I had to rebuild this whole thing from scratch, I could do it. Mm-hmm. I would do it. And so then again, it, it allows you to make decisions without having to put, is this the perfect thing in the perfect moment and the perfect time? Yeah. It like circles all the way back to that boot camp class when all I had was like <laughs> a dumbbell and a used tire yeah. and some battle ropes. No perfect things were happening in those moments. Um, and it still turned into something really special and epic. Like that community was special. It was small. Nobody gave a shit. Nobody looked at it on Instagram. Nobody cared. It was really special. And so I think for, you know, coaches who are listening if you can remove you, you've set a really good example in this. And I, and I won't forget that you even said that to me two and a half years ago when we met about the blinders, you need them. Yeah. Um, it really helps because if you're worried about what other people are doing, it, it starts with human nature. We can't help it. Um, so put those blinders up and just breathe and move. And if you fall down, then just do it again. Yeah. Yeah. I think like you're a good example of, of leading by like, you do what you do to create value and you do it with something that you're very passionate about. And I think that to me, I love that because that has created your success, not your followers. You know what I mean? You have a powerful Instagram and it's very like inspiring. It's very small. But there's also people who have hundreds of thousands who have small businesses. They're unsatisfied. You know, they do it for the gram constantly. And it's good for coaches to hear this because in, in the day and age of social media, especially with like, Instagram algorithm sucks right now. So like it's even getting less and less engagement, but there's a lot of businesses that are still thriving because they don't rely on social media to dictate it. They post on social media, they do stuff on social media and that's great. At the end of the day, if you're creating value or impact, it's going to work out. Like uh, Seth Godin has that thing. It's like a thousand raving fans. Yeah. I love that. You need a thousand people. Yeah. Like, you know, like you're, you're straight, you know, so it's not, and I would even, I mean, it depends what you're selling. You could probably do it with a hundred, honestly, if you're selling a high ticket thing, you know, and you're creating a lot of value, but, um, but no, I think it's, it's, 
it's cool having you on here because you're a role model for that client, the, the coaches that need to hear that, you know, because I, I always, I'm always trying to scream it. And, and same with the blinders thing. Like there is hacks that you have to use. Like you do have to put your phone on do not disturb. You do have to make a commitment to yourself that after you post, you're going to close it. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you come back, but you're not going to start scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. You know, you have to make commitments to make sure that you're not doing the things that put you back in that loop of comparison. There you know is I mean? a certain amount of discipline to that. I mm-hmm. think that you can hack um, some tips and things like that. But at the end of the day, it's like, food, right? You can set up systems that help you be successful. Really important. But there has to be a certain amount of like, I'm just choosing to not do that. And I think coaching and building a business and having work-life balance and being happy, there takes a little bit of true discipline and ownership over I'm not going to pick up my phone the second I open my eyeballs and let an email ruin my morning. Mm-hmm. That is nobody's fault but yours. And like, and I've done it to myself yeah. more than one time, you know, or I'm sitting here with my kids and I choose to like go look at text and get distracted down a rabbit hole. That is not that person's fault who texts me at the, you know, too late. It's not my kid's fault. That is on me. And so do whatever you need to do. I literally got a second phone. Yeah, I did. I've thought about that too. Because then I turned my FitMe phone off. It's gone. And I have my family phone that really the only people that have that number are my family. Yeah. And then there's not, oh, that phone doesn't have very many apps on it. And I recognize that there are things that could have made the original phone not show me those apps and I'll, I will just undo them. Yeah. And so I, again, this is just like my personal boundary. I had to do that. Um, but that was on me to figure out too. And if that didn't work, it was still on me to like figure out, well, then how, what will work so that I can have that balance. Yeah. I love that. We're, we're coming up on time, but I think I could keep talking about this for days. Mm -hmm. Um, I do want to ask you one final question. Um, it's a personality question that I'm bringing back to the podcast. I stopped doing it for a while and I had an interview the other day and I was like, you just seem like the type of person I want to ask this to. So I did, and I'm going to start doing it again. But before I do, tell everybody where they can find you so I can link all that in the descriptions, Instagram, website, your groups, all that kind of stuff, so podcasts. The best way to find me on Instagram is just Christy May Campbell. And I know you'll put in the show notes. Um, M-A-Y or M-A-E? M-A-E. That's how my so, daughter's middle name is. Yeah, Christy with a Y and then M-A-E, Campbell. Um, I also do a short form podcast. It's called fit me coffee talk. It's like five to seven minutes. I release it every Monday through Friday. That's a great way to connect with me. Um, and yeah, my, what my coaching program, what we do, it's fit me community. And so if you connect with me on Instagram or on the podcast, you know, if you know somebody who needs this version, I would love to, you know, referral is my number one favorite um, way to find people because if you think of someone and you're like I know the person who needs this who has been in body debt their whole life mm-hmm. um, that's who I want to meet and so yeah but I also love um, connecting with new coaches because I've been there I've done that um, I built a certification and mentorship program this year for people who are passionate about you know becoming the kind of coach that communicates in a way that people will never, ever, ever forget you. And then creating those um, structures that allow someone to be real and authentic. And so that's that's the art of coaching. That's the art of coaching. And that's what my certification is. It's those soft skills. It's how to connect with someone, how to ask better questions, how to listen better, how to create accountability structures, how to have integrity and values and coaching. Um, So yeah, that's how you 
connect with me. I love it. I'll link all that in the description. Um, the personality question I have for you is you're on a plane. You're flying to uh, Japan, which is probably, or let's say Australia because you don't want to go there right now. Um, actually, things are probably more calm there now, but that's where it started. But um, point being, you have a long flight ahead of you, 10 to 15 hours. Uh, if it's Australia, probably 16 plus. You have two empty seats next to you. You can choose anybody to be in those seats that you get to talk shop with the whole way there, dead or alive, but they cannot be friends or family. Who are you sitting next to? It's mm. a really hard question. You gotta give me a second to mm -hmm. think. It's not an easy one. Okay, you're gonna you're gonna not expect this one. Um, the Rock on one side. I've heard that many times, but I wouldn't expect you. Me? Yeah. And probably not for the reason that everyone thinks, but just because he's a hustler. Yeah. And such I, an inspiration. I respect that a lot. Um, so just like off, I know nobody will be like, they'll be like, what? Why'd you? <laughs> um, but I've had people say Hitler and yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. It's insane. People, you know, who you think about connecting and talking with is, is interesting. Okay. I have to think. I would never want to talk to that man, but <laughs> yeah. And I, and I say the rock because I respect hustle Yeah, and that's one of the things that I know is one of my superpowers. And so I don't think you can not like the rock. I know. Like, I mean, they, like, he, he has all these businesses. He's been in multiple industries. He's such a positive person. I mean, he's so successful. Like, you really mm -hmm. can't not like him. I would definitely, yeah, I would probably pick and him, And plus, too. he's entertaining. So, yeah. I mean, you put me on an airplane. If you were like, who do you want to spend a month with? I might pick, like, a different person. But if you put me on an airplane, I already don't really like to fly. It's scary. And so, having somebody who, like, entertains me. Yeah part of the way I would almost pick Kevin Hart over him just because they're in the similar category he's a hustler too and he's actually really if you ever I don't know if you've listened to that Joe Rogan I podcast did. with him it so was, good yep and uh but he's also hilarious mm -hmm. so that would be a good one yeah he'd entertain you that's yeah. what I mean totally yeah. different who's your person it's changed so many times um I think one of them would definitely be Rob Deerdeck just because he's debatably the most successful skateboarder that ever lived and he's a hustler and he owns multiple businesses. He he runs a startup company. So he literally helps people create new things. And then he walks away because he loves creating. Um, and I'd probably throw Kevin Hart in there now that we say that. Mm -hmm. Probably them entertainment. too. Yeah. I think I could know who the other one is. And it's not for political reasons. It's for pure um, what I've read about him is something that I want to be able to be able, good at myself which is um, Bill Clinton. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so the reason I say that is because, and again, complete, no politics aside, I would not talk to him about politics. I would simply watch how he connects with me and how he makes me feel because everything, and again, we're not talking about like sexually, so if that's where you guys <laughs> went with that, that's not what I mean. Um, what I mean is everything that I've read about him is he is a master of making you feel like you're the only person in the room. Uh. He remembers details. Like this man who, you know, was at the top of what would be considered power and success was able to make people feel like they mattered and to have deep connection. And that is something that... I didn't know that. Yes. And that is something to me that is almost like the holy grail yeah. of as I try to build this movement that matters, as I try to like create a team and all of this stuff, like I have this deep fear that once I find success that I'll be so distant from everybody that I won't have that anymore and that I'll just be like this jerk that's like superficial level that nobody really knows anymore. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I would pick Bill Clinton because I've read that about him. I love that. I've heard a lot of people say the same exact thing about Arnold Schwarzenegger mm -hmm. and that he's, yes, he does I've that, heard that too. too. 
Um, and that's it, I've heard that so many times with Arnold that that's been something that's been on repeat in my mind because as our team grows, it's important for me to like be texting my coaches all the time. I get on a call every other week with every single coach, like no matter what, like every day I have a call with one of my coaches except Saturday, Sunday. But to me, it was like, I, I know what it feels like to be a part of something. And then as it grows, the person just kind of gets the further distance. and further and further away. And then it's not even really like they're a part of it, you know, and I don't want that at all. So I, I love that. I didn't know Bill Clinton was known for that. Um, but I can definitely respect that. That'd be an interesting. It's probably why he's such a flight. ladies man, like back in the day. So yeah. he probably like used that power for evil. <laughs> <laughs> probably. Yeah. Uh, all right. This is great. This is a wrap. Um, I'm going to link all your stuff in the show notes. If you guys want to check out any of Christy's stuff, click any of the links, give her a follow on Instagram. Um, and yeah, we'll probably have her back out here since she lives in, in Washington. Yeah, not too far. This was so fun. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for coming. Mm-hmm.